This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but before Mr. Kelly gets out of the studio, Brian, a question for you. How sure. come they call this drug take back? Why don't they call it medicine take back? Just out of curiosity. I have no idea. No. Maybe drug, it, it's fewer letters. Ah. So it's cheaper like when you print out things because they charge you by the letter. <laughs> I, was just I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you're I, so I insightful. You're the, yeah. sort of the magician of news. Yeah. At least on the weekend. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, Stupid that's question. Okay. That's all Delete right. that. Greg, yeah, can you cut that. that out? Hit yeah, the dump button. Yeah, Thank I you. Want, I, don't want, I don't want Brian to look dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. <laughs> right. Yeah. Both of us together. Ah, anyway, tip of the trial shortly in 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Thanks for having me on your show. You can give a call. We can talk about plant selection. Yes, you can still plant trees and shrubs this time of year. We had a couple questions about moving perennials and, you know, installing things and digging up stuff. It's not the most ideal time to do it because we don't know what the weather's going to be like. How about your annuals? How are they doing? And if it's going to get how cold, if what's going to happen to all those annuals? Pansies are pretty tough, so they can handle it. How about your bulbs? I'm going to be talking about planting some of my bulbs a little bit later on, your edibles, your cool season vegetables, your ground covers, your house plants, your lawns, your perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, and water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take, but just offered for you to consider. Greg is producing today, as he has been for several weeks in a row. And during the week, I do something I call a walk and talk, which is a landscape consultation where I come to your home and uh, we sort of focus on the things that are very obvious to you. And then I keep my eyes and ears open for things that may be impacting your landscape that you hadn't even considered. So those are very, very important. Now, a tip of the trial is a special recognition for an individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636 861 Three, three, four, four. First tip of the trial goes out to the city forestry department. As I walk along the Christie Greenway, which leads from my house down to River de Pair, Germania, blah, 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 uh, the city forestry department was doing some tree installation, and that was on Thursday. So that's really great. Uh, basically, also, Another thing on the Internet, which is this is not technically a tip of the trial, but I just found this interesting. They had something that the were the, f- the favorite Halloween candy for your state. 23,000 people apparently respond to this. This has nothing to do with sales or anything else, but just the people who responded. The favorite Halloween candy for Missouri happens to be Snickers. Hmm, I didn't know that. And for Illinois, Almond Joy. 
That's really crazy. And then the one I found the most unusual or the weirdest, personally, was in Arizona. It's double bubble gum. Sheesh, that's not candy. So anyway, enough of that. And also the Green Center. The tip of the trial goes out to them. This I gave a talk this past week at the Green Center. Great, wonderful place. If you're into unique things and you have time to volunteer, this is a place that is so different from most other places. The Green Center is in University City, very easy to find, and it's just uh, it's a totally wild and crazy place. And there's even a little climatron in the back, not technically a climatron, but there's all kinds of different things going on there. So if you have some volunteer time, you'd like to volunteer at the Green Center. Like I said, a very unique circumstance and a very unique place to volunteer. You can go to thegreencenter.org. I want to thank everybody who came out to listen to me. I just gave a kind of crazy talk, just random all over the place and really nuts. And then I took some questions after that. But one thing I did, a lot of the people that are volunteers at the Green Center that attended, you know, my whatever talk, uh, they're into, you know, using the wildflowers. And one lady asked a question, you know, why, you know, I'm having some difficulty with my wildflowers. Unfortunately, what we need to really think about, and I'm going back to one of the things I keep hammering on, all wildflowers are not created equal. So the type of soil chemistry, the type of organic material that needs, all that other stuff is very important. So just when you make a blanket statement like we're going to grow wildflowers so we don't have to have lawn that is not as easy as it just seems like just throwing some wildflower seeds out there and letting them go because this lady said she has some heavy-duty clay soils and her wildflowers weren't doing very well. But she was concerned, you know, she was just like thinking, well, I drive down, you know, let's say some of these roads and I see wildflowers growing, let's say may apples or whatever it happens to be growing along the side of the road. I said, well, they're very specific on where they can grow. You don't see, you can go into the woods or you can go out in the, let's say the meadows. You're not going to see the same wildflowers all over the place because they have very, just like any other plant materials has very specific you know, let's say genre that they need to be growing in. So simply growing wildflowers per se doesn't guarantee success because all wildflowers were not created equal, just like people or anything else. So, but anyway, thanks to the Green Center for having me out. And finally, this is going to be the last few days for the Boo to Fly House. In other words, Boo, B-O-O, Boo to Fly House. And that's the Butterfly House, which is in Faust Park in Chesterfield. And all the way through October 31st, which is Halloween, you can go and see that crazy. It's a great, wonderful place, but you can see all these butterflies. So more information, what you can do is just go, well, you know, if you're a member of the Missouri Botanical Garden, the Butterfly House, Butterfly House this time of year, is part of the Missouri Botanical Garden. So you can just head out there. You can go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website, check it out, and uh, find out more things going on. It's in Faust Park, which is on Olive Boulevard, just north of Highway 40. So you can go to www.butterflyhouse.org or 636-530-0076. So should be fun. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. After the show today, I'm heading home, and uh, guess what? I've got a giant pot, probably 30 inches across with my elephant ears in it, 
It's so heavy, there's nothing I can do. So what I do generally is I tip the thing over, I pull the elephant ears out, I chop all the foliage off, then I put the actually the two, the, say the bulbs of the elephant ears in the garage till all the potting mix dries, and then I take it into the basement. So that's one of the things I'm going to be doing. Also, some, since they're talking about frost and things like that, it's time where I'm going to start installing my tulips and daffodils into the containers that I grow them in. So I've got some containers already set up and some more I'm going to get ready to go so I can get everything planted. My bulbs are all from Brightside St. Louis. I got uh, actually Brightside Red, which was a type of variety of tulip, and then some, I think, Carlton, I believe that is, the daffodils. But anyway, that's what I'm going to be doing after the show today. Mary lives in Overland. Mary, how are you today? Oh, I'm fine, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. And I had a tropical section in my backyard um, this year, and it did real well. But we bring all the tropicals into our basement, and my husband puts throw lights on them, and it, it does a wonderful job. Right. But I don't know what to do with Bird of Paradise. Do I cut them back or just leave them alone? Uh, you can just leave them alone. You don't, I mean, they're really huge now. They're probably fairly tall, and you're yeah. going to have to watch out that they don't block a lot of the light from the grow lights because as big as they are. But generally, you just kind of grow them as, you know, as a house plant, you know, and you don't have to chop them down. Okay, and it's the same go then for crotons and for chicolera? Yes, same thing. Probably, a, you know, the bird of paradise would probably recover and come back with new growth. The croton, I don't think it's going to recover if you cut it all the way to the ground. And the chiflera, I don't think it would recover and be anything worthwhile as far as if you do cut it. So I would leave those two alone for sure. And one other question I have on uh, canna bulbs and elephant ear bulbs. Right. When I, every year, I follow what you say to do. And I, you know, cut them off the little foliage and then I bring them in, knock off some of the dirt and put them in like cardboard box. Right. And darn it, I mean, I think either some are dried out or some are mushy. Is there anything I'm missing? Uh, you know, don't pile up on, don't pile them up on top of each other. Put a layer or two of newspaper in between them or put them where they're not going to be laying on top of each other. But also let them totally dry, you know, like in your garage if you have space to be able to do it, or someplace in your basement before you, you know, let's say before you store them. Okay. And the other thing we found out, and I guess I heard it from you years ago, is if people put like oscillating fans at the area where they're trying to get things to grow under grow light, right. it really helps keep down the uh, bug problem. Well, it's not going to help with the bugs. It's just going to help with general circulation of air. And that, you know, that helps the plants just in general. But, yeah, it won't help with, you know, any any type of insect control. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Sure. Well, thank you, and good luck with that. It sounds like you have a great array of plant materials, a lot of them the same ones that I have. Bill lives in downtown O'Fallon, or that's where he happens to be. Hi, Bill. Hello, and I want to thank you for some good advice on transplanting my blueberry bushes that uh, seem to go well, and uh, they, they're they looking healthy enough, so thanks for that. Well, great. My, my questions have to do, I have two questions about uh, sweet potatoes. One is the decorative sweet potatoes. Right. My wife is busy today uh, trying to find roots and or bulbs of the various kinds that we have, and uh, she, you know, gently treated them 
some are just like thick roots and some are actually a bulb. And so, uh, what's the, what's the prospect? She's, um, she is clean, not cleaned them off, just shook the dirt off lightly. Right. And then uh, wrapped them lightly in tissue paper and put them in a box. Now, um, what's the chances of, of the success of that? Uh, you mean as far as being able to then plant them next year when the weather yeah. starts warming up again? It's yeah. going to be somewhat iffy, but it's worth a try. I've never really done it myself because they're relatively inexpensive. So, you know, the heartache and the hassle of that, I just don't fool with. But, uh, you know, people have called in before and say, are they edible? Well, they're not poisonous, but I certainly wouldn't recommend them, you know, as far as eating. But, yeah, give it a try, and then you give me a call and let me know that if you had success with it. But I'd make sure the tuber is pretty darn good size before, you know, I wouldn't use any of the ones that just kind of look like fingers. Usually, I mean, they're going to look like a sweet potato or a yam. Right. And yeah. that's the one. Save those and see if you have any luck with them. And also, I you know, it's just it's going to be a roll of the dice whether you have success with them or not. Okay. The other question uh, again, sweet potatoes. This is real stuff now. Ah. Uh, so, uh, can you give me a timeline as to when to buy, when to cut, when to put in the water, so that I could have them say maybe May first. Uh, so you mean have them so you could harvest them by May 1st? No, no, no. So oh. I can plant them, the slips. Uh, basically, I've, you know, so you, are you going to try to grow them just from, a, let's say, a sweet potato that you buy? I would, and that was my other question. Is that a good way? Do you buy a big sweet potato to get a big plant, et cetera, et cetera? That doesn't make that much difference, to be honest with you. Okay. You're probably right. just going to you know, cut it off into you know, like sections, cut it in half, make sure that the parts you cut is totally dry and calloused over before you put it down into the water and see what oh, happens okay. as a result of that. Okay, and so it doesn't matter. Um, when, if I were to go to some uh, place and buy the slips, how do they get them? Do they... Is there such a thing as a seed sweet potato? Not that I know of. They're all grown from tubers, in other words, divisions of actually sweet potato plants. Okay, so if I just go to uh, a grocery store, buy a healthy-looking sweet potato, cut it in half, let it scab over, and when it does put it in the water, then my chances are as good as anything I could buy. Pretty much. You know, that at least that's my feeling. Now, some of these may be, you know, let's say overdone hybrids and they don't do acclimation well to, you know, new locations. But for the most part, I think you should have adequate or decent success with that. Okay. And one other just observation, and you can, and I'll hang up and listen to you. And that is last year we grew some Pink Ladies tomatoes. And um, they did well. Evidently, uh, some uh, seed fell in the ground and sprouted. And they lost part of their hybrid, and they came back as a large cherry tomato. Right. And um, they tasted pretty good. So is that something that would happen across the board, say, like with uh, Lemon Boy and other things? Right. For the most part, when the seeds drop, you know, that hybridizing that gave it whatever color, flavor, or anything else is gone. They just kind of revert back to what they, you know, where they came from, at least one of the peop- one of the type of plants that was, let's say, cross-pollinated. Okay. Well, listen, I do appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Sure. Let's see if we can get Ann from Shiloh. Ann, how are you? Hi, Mike. Um, I um, had um, listened to your program several times, and I always enjoy it, and I've called in before. So I have... 
a house my husband and I are rehabbing. <clears throat> the first thing I wanted to do was get some curbside appeals. So about a week ago, or a week and a half, I put in some planting in the front for some landscaping. turned out very beautiful, and I was told that I should water up until around Thanksgiving. So what my question is, is I've been covering them because I have some beautiful plants, and I wanted to keep them as long as I could, and I know it's getting cold at night. Right. However, I know they're going to die out when it freezes. Should I continue to water even though it freezes? Uh, basically, as long as you, the foliage is you know visible and looks halfway decent, continue to water. Once, they, let's say, the frost kills them or kills the foliage, then... You could probably water once a week after that all the way, you know, just what you're trying to do is hydrate the ground so they, yeah. the plants can get, you know, well-established as far as root systems go. Okay, that, that answers my question. That's what I was concerned about. But I also, amongst these plants, I have the most beautiful hydrangeas, and they're, and they're blooming. Right. They're so pretty, and I love them. I don't have them in my own home, but... Oh, my goodness, do they make a nice display on the front lawn. So here's my question with them. I know they're going to die out no matter how much I pamper them. Right. However, should I continue to water them the same as I do the other plants? And also, should I cut them back? Because I'm not sure about when they die out, do you cut back a hydrangea? Just wait until spring comes around or when the weather, you know, we're out of wintertime. Then you can cut off the spent flowers if you want to. You can cut the spent flowers off now if you want to. The good flowers you're going to just leave in place. People over prune the hydrangeas. You're best to leave them alone as much as possible, except you can get rid of just kind of the, the, like I said, the spent flowers. Other than that, don't cut the stems. Don't cut anything else. And with anything, you know, since it's been so dry, it certainly doesn't hurt to water, you know, to get them a good watering every, let's say, seven or ten days. Okay. And um, I have some other properties. So I did put in a hydrangea at another property. And the tenant is actually caring for the hydrangea. But for some reason, it has stopped blooming. And I wondered if it is because he cuts them back. That could be certainly the case. Also, it could be variety-wise. So thanks, Ann. we got to run. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. It's Saturday night, hockey night in St. Louis, when the Blues host the Columbus Blue Jackets. Pre-game show starts at 6.30 and the puck drops at 7. Right here on your Voice of the Blues, KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller. Sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, we're starting this segment in Eileen's yard. Eileen, how are you today? Well, I'm fine. Go ahead. Okay, I have a bush that is... Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. I have a bush that is two stories high. My house is only one story, but it covers the basement, comes on up the steps. It has been, my neighbor thinks it's something called the Uranus, the Uranus. It has white uh, little bulbs, little berries on it right now that when they break open, it's red berries underneath it. Right. But this thing has grown up over my steps to go into the backyard, over the dog's house, <laughs> over the deck. And I don't know if I can cut it now, 
I don't know what to do with it. The birds love it. Right now, looking at it, and I'm standing not 10 feet from them, there's 20 birds sitting in this bush. Right, because of the berries. They don't care that I'm here. Yeah, they <laughs> love the berries. Uh, basically, it could be euonymus. Is the foliage uh, green, or does it Oh, have... yeah, green, green, so, green. Yeah, it's probably Manhattan euonymus. And, and it actually, the, the well, it's, it's actually growing up over the steps to come up on the deck, and it's fuzzy. It's brown, like, hairy root thing that's literally coming up the steps. Right. Because, I mean, what it does is has the ability, these hairy things, that's actually a way for it to climb and spread. So it's somewhat invasive. So probably my advice to you is to sell your house and run because this is very dangerous. I'm sorry about that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Nobody wants to buy a house and think no. down that much anyway. I'll tell you what. If you do prune it, don't prune it back too severely because it may not recover. But uh, in essence, you know, get it, you know, and just be careful when you start, you know, once these hold fast, these roots have attached themselves to stuff, you start pulling that stuff off, it may, you know, may do some damage to the wood of your deck. I'm telling you, it has grown up. So can I prune it now or do I wait till the spring? I would wait, if you can, wait until spring and do it then because, you know, pruning it now is probably okay. But if we have a severe winter, all the stuff you've pruned off, may be an, in addition to winter kill, and it may make it to the point where it's not going to recover. So I never really like to prune something like this going into wintertime. That's fine with me. My only other question is, is I'm very serious. It's going up eight steps and over a huge doghouse. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, I mean, it covers it all. Right. So in the spring, I just, yeah, actually, it'll be, it's not going to be by hand pruning. I'm going to get a saw and cut it sure. so I can just cut it all the way off. And leave the hairy roots, whatever you want. Those are roots? Yes. It's modified. It's going up it's, over the steps. Yeah. <laughs> it's modified roots. Well, that keeps your steps from getting slippery. Yeah, well, if you could walk down them because of the, the... I mean, people drive by and they tell me, wow, that's pretty neat. What is that? <laughs> no absolute idea. I have a little 820-square-foot house, and I swear to God, this bush is bigger than that. <laughs> yeah, it's probably Manhattan Euonymus. Ah, okay. The birds love it. I'm serious. I'm out here walking next to it. The birds don't even care. They just move to the other side. Yeah, the berries are too tasteful. Yeah, they don't care I'm there. Well, great. Well, thanks, Eileen. Okay, I'll cut it down in the spring and call you then. All right, perfect. Let's go to Mick's yard, and it's in Glen Carbon, Illinois. Hi, Mick. Hey, good morning, Mike. I've got a question about milkweed. Mm Mm-hmm. I planted uh, a batch earlier, uh, early spring, and it did quite well. And it really does attract the monarch butterflies. Right. Um, my question is, the the caterpillars ate a lot of the leaves off of this. It's about three foot tall. Um, should I just let that go for the winter? Yeah, you don't need to do anything. So in other words, yes. it's a native wildflower type plant, even if it's mm-hmm. a hybrid of that. And so just duplicate what would be happening in nature. It may get knocked over, you know, with ice storms or sleets or winds or something like that, but just leave it alone. And if it does that, wait till spring to to do a trimming on it. Yeah. Okay. And so in the spring, any of the the stems that are you know have been growing this year, they're not going to reproduce any kind of leaves or anything at all. So you can clean it up at that time. But I just leave it in place, especially because it's been in the ground for only not even a full year yet. Correct. Yeah. No, but anybody that's wondered about these and how well they do, I I was amazed. 
at the at the amount of butterflies that were attracted to it. Yeah, and there's a couple of different varieties of the milkweed too. So it's just some of them are not quite as tall, and some of them are really kind of wild and rangy, and the flower or the seeds are really kind of wild too. Is now is that going to spread out? Absolutely. Uh, okay, good. That's that's what I'm looking for. Right. Okay, Mike. Thanks again for your help. I sure. appreciate it. And let's go. Let's stay in Illinois. Go from Glen Carbon to Edwardsville into Debbie's yard. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have a question. I bought two small blueberry bushes early in the middle of the summer, and I've left them on my back patio where I could kind of watch them and kept them water, and they're still looking fine there. But they're not in the ground, and so I'm wondering what to do with those now. You should really get them into the ground. But essentially, yeah, I would say if you got a spot where you're going to be, you know, virtually growing them, just dig a hole, stick the pot into the, you know, into the hole, leave about an inch of the pot above the surrounding ground. And that way you're kind of protecting the root system for this first year. And then next spring, when the ground starts warming up, when the forsythia is in bloom, let's say just, you know, use that as an example, go ahead and, you know, get the soil ready through the wintertime, through this late fall, whatever it happens to be, because blueberries like a very acidic soil. So they want a soil pH of about, uh, you know, five or something. So right. get a soil test done, find out what your soil pH is, where you're going to plant them, and, you know, get the modifications to get the pH exactly right before you do install them. Okay, so I can do that. And my husband had a question for you as well. Okay. Um, he just wants to know your opinion on glyphosate. Um, use, of, use of glyphosate. Yeah, basically, I think if you use it, you know, with at label rate and everything else, I've been using it for a long, long time. So I can't say that I, you know, maybe I'm weird the way I am just because of that. Who knows? But that I just don't <laughs> think it's, you know, if you're smart enough, there's all kinds of other things out there that could cause problems. So my opinion is I don't, you know, I can't be too concerned with it. Okay, kind of what I've been saying to him. I, I, we use it for what we've uh, eradic- are trying to eradicate some honeysuckle, bush honeysuckle, and right. some poison ivy. Cut it off and painted it, and just like you said earlier in the show. Right. And I'm, I advocate for doing that, uh, but I don't advocate for him going around and spraying weeds around the telephone poles and stuff like that. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> if you overuse it any, with anything, you're going to have problems. Fertilizer, yeah. you know, weed killers, or anything else. So. Thanks, Debbie. Greatly appreciate it. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, we got about uh, 10 minutes or so to go. So if you have a question or concern or comment, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Then at 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Bob Richards and Addie Andy Smith, 11 o'clock, the KMWX Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. 1 o'clock, Rick Edelman Show. 3 o'clock, the Business of Family Business with Brian Recker. And then at 4 o'clock, the KMWX Auto Talk Show with Greg Damon. So all kinds of stuff coming up before Blues Hockey. To Collinsville, we head. Anita, how are you today? I am fine. I appreciate the opportunity to ask you questions. Sure. I'm just recently a new uh, Collinsville resident. Uh, the soil down here is much different than it is in northern Illinois. And I was wondering, could you tell me when calla lilies can be planted 
And when you've got a hibiscus that's huge and hard to bring in, what can you do? <laughs> as far as a huge hibiscus bringing it in, uh, I guess you've been growing it for a while, so you know how much you know, leaf drop and everything else happens with them, and they have to have as much you know, sunlight as possible. So unless this is a plant that's very important to you, I would almost have sort of like abandoned that. And the calololis planting them outside, that's, you know, availability as much as anything. So when your garden centers have them, then you can plant them at that time. Are you there? Yes, I'm still here. Well, my one daughter just received it, the calololi, a couple weeks ago as a gift, and I didn't know if it's too late to plant it yeah, out. Yeah, I, I would not, not stick it outside this time of year, no. no. Okay. So just have her grow it as a house plant inside. Okay. And are there any community gardens around? Community gardens as there's, you know, over in Collinsville, I don't know myself. There's all kinds of community. You mean where you could have a plot where you could grow tomatoes or herbs or whatever you want to grow yourself? Beautified. I'd like to find some. Yeah, there's all kinds of them on this side of the river. On the ones in Illinois, I don't really know. I would, you know, just contact the city of Collinsville and see if there are some plots. Okay, I appreciate. Thank you very much. Well, well thank, thank you, and thanks for uh, tuning into the show. Patty lives in Webster Groves. Hi, Patty. Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. You mentioned um, planting bulbs in pots. Yes. Can you elaborate on how you do that? Can I like literally pull the mums that are dying out of pots, plant bulbs, and put them in my garage or shed? You don't need to put them inside. You know, they have to be bigger pots. I won't fool you. Uh, some of the pots I have are square. They're plastic. They're probably maybe 15 inches by 15 inches. Yeah. So what I do is the bottom third of the pot is pea gravel. I have drainage holes in the bottom. The rest of it is potting mix, and depending upon what type of bulb, the daffodils go about seven inches down into the pot. The tulips go about five inches down, and if I'm growing crocus or something like that, they go about two inches down. And I just backfill with you know regular potting mix, not potting soil, and then I just water them, and that's pretty much it. And you just leave them outside. Outside, and they can, you know, they battle the weather. Now, there was one year where we had a severe cold snap, and I had some damage to quite a few of them as a result of that. But, you know, I've been doing this for a long, long time. I did it before we moved to South City when we were still living in Soulard. And I was a little bit concerned about, you know, in Soulard we had a courtyard, so that sort of buffered the weather. But, I, you know, I've been doing it outside, and like I said, out of all the years I've been doing it, which is close to almost 30 years now, I've only had one year where I had um, the majority of the bulbs got frozen. Okay, and I have some very large clay pots and glazed pots. Do I run the risk of ruining my pots if I leave them out all well, winter? Well, I mean, certainly you can do that. I don't have any you – know, I've had clay pots before, and – you know, I thought were really well structured and everything. They did well. Yeah, I mean, they did good for many, many years, but then they got a slight fissure or a crack in them. And then that's, you know, sort of like the beginning of the end. And one of them you broke apart and I just glued it back together with super glue. Okay. But um, or, uh, I'm assuming I could leave them in the shed and that would be fine and pull them out and 
in the spring? Too? Well, if you did that, you know, you're going to have to water them and everything else. So that's you got to take buckets of water. That's why I just leave them outside. So you could try that. Well, yeah. You water them all winter. Yeah. Basically, I take buckets. You know, if we have a spell like more than a couple of weeks where we haven't had any snow, any, you know, rain, nothing at all, then I take a bucket of water out, you know, like a gallon bucket, a two-gallon bucket, and, you know, just pour, put some water on them. But that's a rarity that, that has happened where I've had to water them during the winter. Thank you very much. Love your show. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Armand lives in Shiloh. Hi, Armand. Hi. How are you doing this morning? Very good. Two quick questions. Quick questions for you. Is there any way to get rid of fusarium wilt on tomatoes? And what's the best way to get rid of weeds? Do you do that this time of the year or in the spring? It's too late for the weeds this time of year. Fusarium wilt, don't put your tomatoes back in that same spot. Put them in a different location and make sure the variety of tomatoes that you buy has letters after the name of the variety, like HTP and all this other kind of stuff. That means it's going to be resistant to various diseases that tomatoes can get. Also use tomato food. But don't put your tomatoes back in the same location where the soil has been inoculated with the fusarium blight. Ah, okay. I'll do that then. All right. Thank you for your time. Sure. And again, get the hybrids of the tomatoes that have the initials after the name of the hybrid. That's really crucial because those have been done for a very good reason. Sue lives in Eureka. Hi, Sue. Hi, Mike. Yes. Yes. I have, I, I started a pineapple plant, mm-hmm. and I'm getting a pineapple. I guess it's a pineapple in the middle of it coming up. Should be. Yeah. What, is there any special thing that I do with <laughs> that now? I mean, it loves being outside, but of course it's inside now. Right. Basically, you know, the end of the, you know, the end of the leaves are like spear points. So just kind of avoid those kind of things, but just watch it. You're never going to get a full-size pineapple by any means, but they're kind of fun to do. And, to, you know, I'm assuming you just chop the top off of a, of a pineapple, like about an inch down from where the leaves are coming up, and just yeah. let it dry out and then, you know, you know, put it in some potting mix or put it in a sauce or water and then got it going from that. That's but, right. And well, so I consequently, just enjoy it for its wildness and craziness and take a couple selfies and impress all your friends. <laughs> will I get, if, when I cut that off, will I get another one? Uh, I don't, I don't believe you will, but you could certainly try it. Okay. You know, I've never, I've only done them where I've had one and then I kind of, well, it takes so long. And I never got the one that's coming off, let's say the baby that got bigger than a tennis ball. And I just kind of got bored with it and sort of like I composted it. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Mike. Sure. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Bye-bye. And for anybody, make sure that you're continuing, if your lawn is still growing, to continue to mow your lawn. So part of the majority of my lawn is zoysia, but I've got some other stuff that comes up in it. And I don't want this stuff to, let's say, get pressed down by rainfall and create a fungus problem. It's a, you know, it's what it was when we first moved in. I got some Scott's patch and it was like to fill in some of these spots until my zoysia filled in. This stuff is really tough and durable, but the zoysia is finally trying to, or it is squeezing it out, but it still comes up. And it's this time of year, it just loves it because it's cool. It's a cool season type of bluegrass. And it can grow in a week to like four or six inches. So then I, you know, I cut those areas Also, do not let the leaf debris build up in your landscape. 
I mean, it is a nightmare for me because, well, I shouldn't say a nightmare, but it's a lot, it's extra work for me because I live right across the street from a park. I live on the northeast corner, and then the prevailing winds are coming out of the southwest, so so many leaves are coming up in my direction. Also, three maple trees, uh, street trees around our house. One of them is almost defoliated entirely. The other two are just absolutely spectacular in color. So, but the leaves are just you know dropping. And between my sidewalk and street, I have a type of sedum, sedum acre. That's what I have, you know. Rather than a lawn, for the most part, I have one area that is lawn, and I set my you know I set my mower a little bit high, and when the leaves start building up, even on my ground covers, I just you know, mow over it. I just chop them up. I go down. I actually chop them off. You know, chop the leaves up that are sitting on the sidewalk and everything else. So, it's just you don't want this leaf debris to build up because it can create some major fungus problems. And even there's a t- two different types of wintertime fungus. They're not as deadly as the summer funguses, but what they do is they can weaken plant material as a result of just being there. And then when the summertime rolls around with the high humidity and everything else, that's when it really becomes problematic. So, you know, keep raking, keep everything going. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. The Voice of St. Louis, News Radio 1120, KMOX, KMOX HD, St. Louis, 102.5 KEZK, HD3, St. Louis. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.